Section 20 of Sir Francis Drake by Julian Corbett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 11 The Battle of Gravelines, Part 2. Seeing the danger, the Duke signalled to his immediate following to keep on to where the fight raged round the crippled Santa Anna, while he himself went about and bore down to support the galleasses and protect his more defenceless charges the triumph was now in serious danger nor could the english seamen having once exposed the armada's vulnerable point permit it to be covered again without a blow moreover the continual closing up of the scattered spanish rearguard had rendered the struggle round recalde too equal to suit drake's ideas once more he and his fellows disengaged and Sidonia suddenly found himself alone between the transports and his rearguard with all the English battleships bearing down upon him. Having reduced the Santa Ana to such a wreck that Racalde was compelled to transfer his flag, they were bent on treating as hardly the captain-general of the Ocean Sea. With all the old-world chivalry of Spain, the Duke shortened sail to await the attack and for an hour endured alone the whole fire of his enemy as ship by ship passed by and plunged its broadside into the great san martin from its fortress of the poop from its castle of the prow from its plaza de armas in the waist the splinters shivered and split till the water poured in through the shot-holes the rigging hung in ruin and the holy standard of the crusade was rent in twain so they left him and passed on to support frobisher and gather the fruit of drake's bewildering tactics under all sail the spanish battleships toiled to the rescue but when as the sun sank low sidonia had once more gathered up his flock into a roundel there were many that laboured sorely and three were gone it was a poor enough result for a hard-fought action the english powder was spent another day was gone and still the armada looked almost as formidable as ever yet the effect was deeper than it seemed with no little alarm the spanish officers had been shown the mobility of a fleet formed line ahead and its power of concentration on weak points it was the first dawn of those modern tactics which blake and monk were to develop and nelson to perfect and both sides recognized the great fact the spaniards hearts sank as they saw how ill-adapted were their floating fortresses for the new situation and a bolder purpose inspired lord howard on the morrow though active operations were confined to twice compelling the armada to stop its advance and form line of battle to its rear a most important step was taken after the morning cannonade had ceased for some hours the english ships were seen tacking hither and thither in strange disorder but at last out of the confusion four distinct lines developed themselves and bore down on the wandering spaniards to compel them once more to shorten sail and haul to the wind yet not a shot was fired and no sooner was the spanish battle array completely formed than the four lines twisted back like snakes and left it untouched vexed to be so fooled and convinced that the english meant only to delay him till the fine weather should break sidonia resolved to turn no more till the spires of calais rose in sight but he was wrong 
reinforced and supplied anew with powder howard at last felt justified in pushing home an attack three days had passed since the fleets first engaged three days more would bring the armada to its goal and although its advance had been well delayed there was still no sign of a return of the tempestuous weather it would no longer do to watch the face of the skies if the armada's power was to be broken it must be by the hand of man by this time they were abreast to the isle of wight and its proximity emphasized the necessity for prompt offensive action from his exalted prisoner drake had been able to learn that in certain contingencies the island was to be occupied in order to provide a harbour of refuge for the armada and it was clear the great effort could no longer be delayed nor could a better battlefield be wished for than the spot the two fleets had now reached as they lay off sundon bay between the island and selsey bill the armada had in its lee a whole network of shoals stretching from the owers to spithead and a vigorous attack from windward promised either to press it in confusion amongst the intricate channels off portsmouth or if it attempted to weather the bill and so regain the open sea to drive it on the ower bank such at least would seem to have been drake's idea and it was probably to increase the energy of the attack that howard had consented to divide the fleet into four divisions he himself commanded the first and drake retained his own at the second while the third and fourth were given respectively to howard's two flag officers hawkins and frobisher to attack sidonia's serried ranks as they were was but to court defeat and in council of war it had been resolved that during the night six merchantmen from each division by engaging at four different points were to loosen the spaniards formation and prepare it for the attack of the battleships so drake meant to wrestle his great fall with the spanish power it was a well-laid scheme and had the wind held the armada might never have sailed another league to the east but as it chanced the wind fell so light that the detailed merchantmen were unable to carry out their orders and as the morning of the fourth day broke serene and calm the only sign of movement was where some of hawkins's vessels were seen trying to tow themselves alongside the santa anna and another crippled spaniard well-nigh helpless with their wounds they had drifted from the ranks and seemed an easy prey three galleasses came sweeping to the rescue in all their majesty of oar and sail but it was not to victory with dogged courage the leading ships of howard's and frobisher's divisions were towed by their boats to meet the floating castles and were soon tearing and shattering them with chain-shot and a hail of balls the boldest of the spanish rearguard struggled into support and at last sidonia signalled for a general action it was the feast of san domingo his patron saint a light breeze had sprung up in his favour and with banners flying and trumpets braying convinced at last that its hour of victory had come the armada formed in line of battle the holy standard rose aloft and the tide of battle turned the disabled galleasses were got out of action and frobisher and howard cut off and surrounded seemed doomed to meet no better fate the rest of the fleet were standing away as though to save themselves and desert their comrades and the spaniards felt certain of their prey 
still like the heroes of some homeric fight the isolated admirals fought on dealing destruction around and clearing themselves with their boats from every ship that attempted to lay them aboard in wonder and admiration the spaniards still pressed closer till the wind began to freshen then at last they learnt the meaning of the strange tactics of the enemy's two starboard divisions while howard and frobisher were holding the spaniards over the brink of the pit drake and hawkins had laboriously secured a vantage ground from which to thrust them down and ere sidonia had well grasped the sudden jeopardy in which his whole fleet was placed the two kinsmen with half a gale of wind in their swelling sails crashed in upon his left the charge was irresistible the amazed weather squadrons gave way crowding in upon the centre and forcing the whole armada to leeward in vain did frobisher's persecutors turn howard was free now and added the weight of his consorts to the confusion with a new attack the mouth of portsmouth roads yawned on sidonia's lee as though to engulf his armada down came the holy standard of his crusading king in its place flew the signal to close up in a roundel and so to the indignation of his fighting admirals he hastened to make his escape and inclining away to the coast of france saved his fleet from the ower banks a hot fray wrote hawkins wherein some store of powder was spent and after all little done the change of wind had saved sidonia drake and his kinsmen knew their movement had failed but howard celebrated it as a victory as the two fleets lay becalmed next day some two miles apart on the poop of the ark royal he knighted frobisher and three noble kinsmen of his own who had fought their ships at his side they were the heroes the poet sang and well they deserved the praise but though hawkins was made sir john with the rest for the cool head that had planned the fight and so nearly destroyed the enemy with strange tactics in which bards could see no meaning there was no reward frobisher the intrepid explorer who knew nothing of naval warfare even accused the rival who had eclipsed his fame of cowardice when he heard drake had taken don pedro de valdez and his great galleon he swore the man that had brought england to all her trouble had deliberately lagged behind to reap the reward of his comrade's courage the story is sad to tell but let it be the glory of elizabeth's captains that in the heat of their jealousy and quarrels they never forgot the sacred cause she personified the last chance of destroying the armada before it reached its destination was now gone all friday the two fleets lay within sight of each other till in the evening the breeze got up from the southwest and the armada began the last stage of its adventurous voyage so splendid was the order it kept before the wind that though the english still dogged its heels no attack was attempted and ashore spurs pressed deep and beacons flamed faint hearts sank and brave men trooped together as almost untouched the great host drew to its goal on saturday afternoon it was passing calais six leagues more and it would reach dunkirk when suddenly it came to anchor completely surprised the english so nearly overran the enemy that they only saved the weather gauge by boldly anchoring within gunshot to windward it was a solemn hour as seymour and winter from the channel fleet joined with the rest on howard's flagship in momentous council 
as the great german historian has said the fortune of mankind hung on the balance when we consider the difficulties of the navigation even for a single ship the projecting headlands of the channel the intricate currents the precarious winds it is impossible not to admire the brilliant manner in which the great armada had been brought to its destination in spite of the greatest seamen of the age in spite of the incubus of a cumbrous convoy it had reached within arm's length of its goal and amid the hurried tramp of the gathering levies arose loud railing at the english captains for their failure the spaniards themselves could hardly credit their success they were dispirited with their losses to leeward lay the unknown terrors of the north sea to windward was a horror worse than all for there they knew was el Draque, busy brewing in his ships as they rode so peacefully at their anchors the devilry for which he had let them come so far such thoughts at least the terror of that name conjured as the night fell nor were they very wrong who first thought of it none can tell indeed it matters little since that terrible night in veracruz harbour twenty years ago and later when the devil ship blew parma's legions to atoms on the antwerp boom the device was in every man's mind it was a remedy hardly fit for christian men to use yet at all hazards the armada must be dislodged the dutch fleet which had been blockading dunkirk had been compelled by its necessities to retire and leave parma free to come out at any moment the weather might serve and in a few hours the great army might have passed the channel it was on sunday the council of war met and ere it separated the grim resolve was taken that night the tide would serve and sir henry palmer sped to dover for the means which for this supreme moment had been collected there but no sooner was he gone than there were some that grew impatient and saw that he could not return in time to catch the tide it would not do to risk the loss of another day there were ships in plenty with the fleet drake offered one of his own for the sacrifice and seven more were quickly chosen as the night closed in dark and moonless a presentiment of impending doom disquieted the great host to leeward the awful tragedy of antwerp was in every mind and hither and thither flitted launches patrolling to windward of the spanish anchorage in nervous expectation midnight had passed the night was at its blackest and the rushing tide swirled dark and angry through the crowded galleons as they lay labouring each with two anchors out in the depth of the gloom whence the flood was sweeping with the wind the english lights were twinkling peacefully till a sudden flare obscured their brightness then another and another burst out and glowed and grew till eight flaming masses reddened the night and sped forward with wind and tide upon the terror-stricken armada such a sight man's eyes had never seen what wonder if a panic seized the spanish fleet there was no time to weigh in reckless haste cables were slipped and cut and like a herd of stampeding cattle in mad confusion the tide swept the great fleet away crashing ship on ship through a tangle of writhing cables End of section twenty